Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Hold Show podcast. Today, uh, we're actually at a pop-up studio in Edmonton, Alberta. We normally uh, tape from our studio in Fairmont, British Columbia. So um, before I get into our next guest, oh, I am extremely excited. Um, every time I bring on a guest, I handpick the guest. It usually comes in some form of a post or something that I've seen that just made me feel a certain way. Um, but everybody that's been listening to the show, thank you so much for your support. I also just want to give out some listener love. Uh, so we had a couple, we've had several emails emailed into the show. Um, so we've had uh, Mohammed from Dubai says, Ryan, really love your show. I uh, love the guests that you've had on, love all the random topics, but they always manage to create value. Sarah from Dallas, Texas says, uh, really enjoyed the show, Ryan. I found it after it was suggested after the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, that break, that just makes me so happy to hear that. Um, we've had so much, you know, nice reviews. We've had just tons of feedback. And again, uh, we thank you so much for listening. Um, again, our mandate on the show is just curiosity. And we know that without curiosity, how does the world go around? So our next guest... I was hoping she'd bring her handcuffs. I hope she's got an extra set there. I was hoping there'd be some sort of sirens going on in the background. I might have to edit that in. But her name is Kathy Bodden. Kathy is an accomplished police officer and leader. Now in her 28th year, Kathy has broad experience in uniform, investigative, and administrative roles and is currently an inspector for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Unit for the Durham Regional Police Service. Kathy has faced many personal and professional obstacles including cultural and gender barriers rather than allowing these challenges to thwart her ambitions she has used each experience as a source of learning and inspiration and champion diversity inclusion and equity efforts in the workplace her willingness to share these experiences and her lessons learned with others has earned her national and international recognition as a leader kathy continues to actively mentor and coach dozens of women and men within the policing profession and maintains a strong professional network to support her both internal and external to the DRPS. In addition to her work with the DRPS, Kathy supports the development of police leaders internationally through a fellowship program provincially and internationally. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. So how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank now, you. is there a lot of times when you're doing an interview or should we call it an interrogation where you're usually the one that's kind of, um, you know, carrying out all of the talking and whatnot and you're usually on the always the forefront of it? Oh, you have reversed the roles today on me, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so I was just kind of thinking, you know, I'm fascinated by the policing profession uh, for many different reasons. You know, I'm fascinated for the number one reason of you know, you have a bunch of human beings that are really trying to uphold and guide um, a bunch of other human beings. And we as human beings are so diverse, so different. Uh, we have all different stories. We came up very differently, but we managed to make it work in this little thing that we call a world. So if you can take us back 28 years, first of all, did you have any jobs before you became a police officer? And how the heck did you like where did the thought of even becoming a police officer come into your path? Was it something that your parents did or your family was involved with? I'm actually, uh, it's a great question. It's definitely the why question as to why I got into this profession. Um, I didn't have any uh, parents or influences in policing at all. Uh, actually, it's quite rare uh, to be someone in my set of circumstances 
but it was definitely a calling for me. Mm. Um, I just, it was 21 when I got hired on the police service. Uh, I did have some other jobs. I used to be a a fitness instructor. I managed a health club for a little while before I was hired at 21 years old. Uh, But this profession was definitely a calling. And uh, it's something I passionately wanted to do was, was to help people and be a part of their lives. Now, being a police officer, it's interesting because when I asked you to send me your headshot, you sent me one with you in uniform and one without. And you said, please use them both. And that statement alone speaks volumes to me. So the way I interpret something like that is you don't want to only be known as a police officer. You also want to be known as a human being who actually has a normal life and, you know, bleeds red and cries once in a while and, you know, has emotions. And even even I think for myself, I do have a lot of friends that are police officers, but it's really interesting. I think the general public sometimes views police officers as I won't say not human, but they think that like you're just a police officer. And once you have that uniform on, there's maybe a little bit of a disconnect. What I love about you, Kathy, is that via LinkedIn, and via your little home videos on the weekend sometimes is you've humanized you as a police officer, but then also as Kathy. Now, why is that important to you? Why is there so many other police officers that would never dare do that? Probably a lot of times for security reasons and things like that. But why have you said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to lead and really show a different light, but more of a context on what a police officer really is. Right. So I did start doing videos on LinkedIn and even Twitter as well. And it was really just to show that uh, there was a very human side. Um, But typically in policing, what we don't see from officers is vulnerability. Mm. Um, And if I'm truly, I'm right now, as, as you read in my bio, I'm leading diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. And so with inclusion comes being a little vulnerable and sharing a little bit of yourself with others. Mm -hmm. Uh, So others feel safe to be able to do that in environments to share as well. So if I can't demonstrate it, then why am I preaching it? So I had to really put my uh, money where my mouth was and, and, and be able to actually demonstrate the behaviors and what that looks like. Now, so, why is it LinkedIn that you chose? Like, is it is it like I'm fascinated why LinkedIn? Because there's so many other platforms that, you know, you have Snapchat, you have Instagram, you even have Facebook, you have Twitter. You know, I, I think even me personally, I kind of look at what you do and I'm like, man, if she got an Instagram, oh, you would absolutely kill it because that's where all the cool kids are, too. Right. So I know you're, you're preaching diversity and I, I think Snapchat, uh, sorry, Instagram would be a great platform. But why did you get on LinkedIn and, and really use that platform? Well, it really happened very holistically because I had an account on LinkedIn and really hadn't been investing in that account too much. So it just sort of just started to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it progressed to a short video. But for the most part, what I was doing is pull, pulling my own self out of comfort zones. Mm. So uh, I was extremely nervous. Um, <laughs> and I've posted this on videos before saying, you know, it wasn't easy for me to just get up and start doing a video. Yeah. But as a leader, I have a responsibility to share Absolutely. what I have learned with others yep. and uh, and to share those lessons and give people some food for thought. So I started at uh, that probably about a year and a half ago, Ryan, and 
and it just seems to be growing. But I will give you a little hint. I have gone on to Instagram and I've just started a, an oh, account there. Okay, so, I like that. Uh, it's another platform I have to get used to. Good for you. Now, have ha, like uh, when we kind of chat on the phone before doing the podcast, you know, one of the questions that I'm always fascinated by is, is police officers particularly, and we'll get into the fact that you're a female police officer because I think that's very notable, um, but is police officers not going on and showing this different aspect of themselves because maybe the administration or their commanders say this is not a good practice or is it a personal choice in which they don't want to maybe do? And I know that you did mention that you get several messages from you know, males and females who, who are in law enforcement saying, like, really love what you do. Obviously, there's some messages saying, holy crap, like, what are you? You're crazy. Like, what are you doing? You know, you just, you know, what if you're I, I just think I'm, I'm a very I'm kind of a kid. I'll always be a kid. I never want to like I, I'm a father now, but I, I, I'm more of a kid since I became a father. And I think about things like what if I'm grocery shopping and like somebody recognizes me or, you know, I'm all with my family having dinner and things like that. So how have you really taken all that and said, nope, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and really push it out there? And has there been any backlash for it? To be honest with you, there's been no backlash in my environment. So just to answer that question as to why others aren't doing it, I can't speak for them. Yeah. So, uh, but what I'll speak about is my personal experience. Um, there's been no backlash. Yeah. Uh, my service and uh, my chief is very aware of what's going on and <laughs> what I'm doing. And I make sure my messages are very consistent with you know, the, the leadership values within my own organization here with Durham Regional Police. So, you know, my values, my behaviors are in line with the service and what, you know, what what is expected of me as a leader. So I have no difficulty being transparent and sharing that. Um, when it comes to, you know, there has obviously there's every now and then you get someone who wants a negative comment, puts a negative comment on a post or what have you. Of course. Uh, but... I'll tell you um, what's been really refreshing and beautiful is that uh, a lot of people who are following me on those posts, actually, before I even get a chance to respond, are responding on my behalf. Yes. Uh, and, yes. And, and know the authenticity that um, I'm trying to convey. So, uh, and quite frankly, when I see that negativity, it's as easy as delete and block yeah. uh, because yeah. I just don't have time for it. Yeah. There's no time for negativity. And I love good critical uh, feedback and critical discussions and, um, you know, growth discussions. But if someone has got an opinion and is not budging, not worth not worth me taking those efforts. There's so many more people who deserve, Absolutely. you know, that positivity and sharing that. You've built a really cool you know, the big I'm a marketer and that's what I do for a living. And, you know, we, there's always a lot of buzzwords that come in and influencer and personal branding and people kind of jump on these bandwagons. And some of them are, you know, they, they, they do hold a lot of merit. However, you've managed to build a personal brand around your policing. Now, I know when I talked to you kind of said, I don't know if I really even think about it as a brand. But you must think you must have to be aware and self-aware to know that because I'm sure there's been opportunities that arise. Even people like myself who've said, hey, come on a podcast. Let's talk about it. You know, speaking opportunities, things like that. Is there a goal that you have in mind? And I know you are trying to really, you know, educate and, and push out a lot of awareness to certain topics that you're, you're passionate about. And as you said, are in line with with what you guys do as policing. 
But what is your goal? Have you kind of sat back and looked at everything you've managed to, you know, amass? You having your LinkedIn army that's ready to rock at any time, given a moment's notice when somebody's doing a bad comment shows that you built a tribe, you know, and you've built a real good following of people that really support you. What are your goals with it? What do you think are some benefits to it? And even though you can't speak for other police officers per se, is there something that you would say that might encourage them or you found from your own personal experience that maybe could even make them better police officers in, in certain certain regards? Okay, so uh, loaded questions. Loaded. They're just rapid fire mm. shooting questions here. And you know what's um, so funny, Kathy? Uh, Scouts honor. I never, ever come up with any questions before. I just have a conversation. You know, I've talked to you. I've really looked at what you've do, what you've done. And I, I genuinely, and that's why a lot of people, they say, Ryan, you know, how do you pick your guests for the podcast? And I, I just, they come to me and I'm very passionate about it. But I believe in that authenticity, non-scripted. So the questions I'm asking you, they're just, they're, they're, they're things that I think about in my mind that when I look at you, they provoke that. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you. You're, That's you're, such a compliment. You're very welcome. Um, so let me try and rapid fire back at you. There were six um, questions. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and do that. <laughs> so uh, as for the branding part, I never really looked at it that way at all. Um, you know, what is my end goal? It's really to inspire, empower, and motivate others and, um, and really uh, share that information. Uh, that I have. I mean, it's experience. 28 years is no joke uh, to be in this industry. And and um, the fact that I am still have such a loving heart uh, is really what keeps driving me forward Ooh. and a true love for people. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, if that's part of branding, I guess, you know, maybe I have, but it's just been done because of that loving heart. Um, most of our policing um Partnerships, uh, other police services, even right across Ontario and internationally, uh, most business plans in the uh, services portfolio is community engagement. Mm -hmm. And you know, Ryan, the the, uh, the rules for community engagement have changed mm. uh, by the use of the internet and all these uh, you know social platforms that we're getting on. And so I saw it really as an opportunity to engage differently. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm approaching my 50s now, almost. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was either you better get on board or you're going to not really be able to reach a variety of people. So, yeah. you know, thus LinkedIn um, just got on to uh, Instagram yeah, uh, and in even Facebook, right? So it's just sort of another opportunity to have engagement with people yeah, and, um, and just show that I'm much more than just an officer. I'm actually a mom. Yes. Uh, I have three children and two stepdaughters. And, uh, and, you know, spending lots of time with uh, our kids is really important to me. So, you know, people need to see that when I'm, I'm not policing, uh, I'm still in the community at sporting events and demonstrating those same behaviors to my children. Are you, right? mar so, are you married, Kathy? I am. You know, what's so funny. I'm, and I'm going to ask you a few dorky questions cause they're just, they're probably some of my own inner, inner fun ones. Like, you know, but I always think about it and I'm like, so you're married. I'm like, 
Does your husband ever say, do, do you ever kind of, do you ever pull like the fun police card and be like, listen here, buddy, I'm telling you, you, you need to know who's bought. Like, like how's the dynamic sometimes or, and I'm sure, and maybe you can speak to that. And I know, I mean, if we look at not, not saying that you're divorced or anything, but we know that in the policing community, very, very hard to sustain relationships sometimes. And you do see those divorce rates and things like that skyrocket. Is, is it really, I mean, how do you, how do you go about finding a partner that's really, I mean, in my opinion, they have to be pretty solid because you're coming home and you, you, you know, it's kind of like asking your partner, like, how was work today? You know, and if somebody works at office or their business, it's like, well, you know, maybe I lost a client or maybe this and that you might come back and be like, you got some heavy stuff that you have to say. So having that dynamic between your partner, how much does that impact you as a person, not just a police officer, but as a person and then also as a police officer? Right. So my husband had to really have a good idea um, of what he was getting into. <laughs> Bless <laughs> because, his heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's also it's, you know, shift work is very much a part of our lives. Yeah. Uh, at this moment, I'm on a straight day shift. Okay. But uh, at any point in time, you know, I could be. Uh, out on the road doing a duty inspector position and uh, and could be going back to 12 hour shifts. Yeah. Right. So that's a, a portion. But um, no, I mean, he's just a really loving man and uh, we've blended our family. So, yeah, yep. uh, you know, I have uh, unfortunately gone through a divorce. But, uh, yep. you know, the good thing is, is that those partnerships and those people that I've had relationships with or I'm currently in one now it's been respectful and uh, supportive and will always be right so it's just making sure I find um, you know people and communicate well with my partners to make sure they understand what's going on right so absolutely work yes work like any relationship absolutely Mm. so so now fast forwarding into you're an inspector and I'm not sure how each role works within the police department but I, it sounds like it's a little fancier and maybe, you, you know, you get some perks. I don't know. But you do have some authority there. Do you still spend a good amount of time in the field or you do, do you spend a lot of your time doing more administrative style, you know, duties on a daily basis? Well, it's a great question. So right now I'm uh, leading diversity, equity and inclusion unit. Yep. And so we have a 110 page strategic unit that is to be carried out for a three year period. Yep. And so, you know, the way we have the unit designed is um, we have teams, five different teams within the service who are actually executing goals that we want for our community. And so I am you know, doing a little bit of administrative work, obviously, in this position, but I'm actually working in with those teams as well to make sure that they're hitting their targets and mm. and the goals that they want to accomplish for the year. But I'm also in the community as well, uh, very involved in all the different groups mm. um, to build relationships. You know, for instance, we've just had you know, this horrific, tragic incident in uh, Pittsburgh mm, and, mm. you know, with the synagogue and, um, you know, it was on the weekend I was able to reach out to the synagogues within our region mm. and, you know, give them a call and tell them we're thinking about them. And this impacts us all and that, uh, you know, we're here and we were able to react in a way to give them some you know, security and make them feel that they're being, you know, supported at this time as they have this huge impact on their community, right? So, mm. 
that was something this weekend that we were able to do positively. And, you know, there's no threat here that I'm aware of, but, uh, you know, at least we had those relationships built where we could do something and show our solidarity. Do you think social media has made policing easier or harder? Well, that's another loaded question. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think on some aspects, we definitely, uh, you know, we're now have the world at our fingertips. Yes. And, you know, and so it's really, anytime I, I look at that answer, I say, what is, what is your goal as mm. to what are you doing on the internet? And yeah. What are you doing with those platforms? Um, and with these connections, they can be beautiful or, you know, some people can use them for some really horrific um you know, types of crimes. You know, and so, you know, what's interesting about social media, though, is a lot of people come, come, come at it with a negative perspective. I think the world's changing a lot. You know, I love to see that you're, you're turning 40 soon here, Kathy. Yeah. Ah. But <laughs> you know, you said you're approaching fifties and people are, you know, it's funny. We always try to compartmentalize people a lot of the time. And you know, when you go do business, it's funny, like what's business attire, you know, should you be in a suit and tie and You know, I always say, like, you can't really paint one person with one brush. You know, we're all very different people. But when somebody says to me, I think social media has made the world terrible, I just completely disagree because all social media has done is if you're an asshole, now you're an amplified asshole. Social media takes whoever you are and whatever you're doing and amplifies it. And that can go good and it can also go very bad. So I, I look at with police officers you know, with the social media, and I don't need to go into any details, you know, what, especially if I go south of the border and things that have happened down there and, and how this has, you know, created such a such a huge, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm a very, you know, 360 degree type of mind where there's always two sides to the story. And I like to get a very, you know, holistic, you know, point of view before I ever make an opinion. But I kind of I kind of go back and I say, I do think social media has made people, it's forced them to do their jobs maybe better or they have to really take note of how they're conducting themselves because, you know, anybody now has a camera and it doesn't matter whether you're a police officer or a bus driver or the guy doing the garbage or whatever. You're, you're kind of, when you step out of your house, you're on, you're on this huge, huge, you know, world spectrum. So mm-hmm. I look at somebody like you where you're obviously open-minded and you said, I'm going to take social media. And not only am I going to take social media, I'm going to I'm going to jump into it and I'm going to invest into it. Right. And it kind of goes back to your point of saying, you know, I've been in this profession for 28 years. Now I need to stay relevant and you're staying relevant in such a big way. So for you, you must have an answer. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to dive deep to get an answer from you because you must have a good perspective on it. Well, it's interesting, Ryan. I have a great story to share with you because, um, you know, these are just my stories. But I was in Calgary not too long ago, just the end of August, Mm. for an international uh, women's association uh, conference. Mm. And I have some connections in Calgary that I've made over the last two years uh, from social media. And these people I consider my friends. Yeah, Uh, We message each other. We talk to each other. We support each other. And there was three of them that, you know, knew I was coming over to Calgary and said, would you come meet me? Oh, yeah. I would love to finally meet you face to face. Oh, that's great. And so I said, of course. So, you know, I met um, and I was smart about it. I met in, you know, places where there's, you know, a social environment. Of course. Um, But it was like an instant 
it wasn't like I met them for the very first mm. time because we had FaceTime or yeah. we had done other, you know, Skype um, discussions. And yep. but it was like meeting my friend of years. And yep. so I finally got to, you know, give them a hug and finally say, you know, hi, face to face. And it was such a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, that has taught me that's not something I would have done probably five years ago. Interesting. You know, so it's it was a it's a real switch. It's a real switch in thinking Um, and just being smart about your approach. And that's really that's what I've been doing. It's just being smart about my approach. Now, you mentioned it's funny because you were you're circling everything in here. So you mentioned about your heart has love after Mm -hmm. 28 years. Which I could, I guess, I go down the jaded perspective where being a police officer, maybe even emergency services in general, firefighters and paramedics, sometimes they become detached a bit. I think, I mean, the stuff that they see that you see is just, you know, not always good, you know. Um, right. But then, kind of sliding forward into, you know, five years ago, you would have never done something like that. So you've really had this kind of ingrained mentality. Do you feel that, in your opinion? You made the switch. There's a reason you made the switch. There's also a reason that people really love that you made the switch and they're really gravitating to your messaging. So maybe we could assume that if other officers made the switch or the culture made a little bit of a switch, do you feel that there's some tweaks that are needed given it's 2018 and policing, let's call it modern day policing maybe, you know? Is there is there tweaks that you feel like could be made on a more of a, a holistic, a global perspective, or do you still feel like no, it's it's got to come from from the officer level, you know, from the individual level? Yeah, I think that it really does have to come from the individual level, um, and I won't speak on behalf of others, but you know, I I'm surrounded by some very amazing people in policing and yeah. uh, not just here within this service, but <laughs> I'm connected to so many uh, professionals, not just in the policing environment, but in, um, you know, 911 services. Right. So uh, it's really about coming for me is it's a growth mindset mm. and it's having a, a, an attitude of gratitude. Ah, yes. And, uh, you know, it's like every day uh, if you are you know, making and seeing the goodness, it's easy then, and you're training your mind, you train your brain to Mm. see the goodness, Mm. you know, then you just start seeing goodness all the time. Mm. For instance, let me give you an example. What was your first car that you purchased? Oh, when I was a kid, it was a 1996 Oldsmobile Achieva. It was a a grandma car, but man, I love that car. I was the coolest dude. (laughs) and let me ask you, when you saw that, when you had that car and you were so grateful for it, did you see those cars every time they passed you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I never, and it's it's funny because that car, even though it was a used car, it was a new car for me. And it didn't matter what anybody else was driving beside me because I'm like, I got a car. Like, I'm, I'm just happy to have a car. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, even from a female perspective, when I was pregnant, I seem to think that everyone else got pregnant at the same time because I was just so conscious of other pregnant women. Yep. Right. Yep. So the more the more that what's what's important to you, the more you see. So if gratitude is important to you and being kind to people is important to you, boy, you start seeing it a lot more. 
than uh, you would if you're not training your mind, right? So that's what I make. It's uh, it's really about training to see the goodness in people, seeing the hope and inspiring them to empower them. Um, and, you know, some people in our environment don't always, and I don't mean officers, I just mean community mm. uh, members, uh, sometimes lose their way. Mm. And, you know, need a chance to get up on their feet again mm. and not be judged. You know, mm. yes, they be, holding people accountable is one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what our job is to do as officers is mm. hold people accountable to the laws. Mm. Uh, but we can refrain from the judgment. Mm. Very true. Right. Very so, true. And allowing someone to, um, you know, go through that process uh, with without judgment mm. is probably one of the best healing pieces that we can give to this community right so is being mindful is to treat people with respect mm. and uh, let them have that opportunity to you know to correct their behavior some don't some don't but it's, it's, uh, it's but kind of like, we have to give them that it's kind of like that curiosity though like I, when you really think about it right it, we've had some really cool guests on but we had um, Jason Maiden, and I always go back to him because he was phenomenal. He's, he's a former Nike Air Jordan lead designer. So he's the first African-American to actually internship through Nike. And it was a big, big thing. But he talked to many. He, ta- he, and he grew up south side Chicago and he's got a story that's just just, you know, out of the books. But he, he talks a lot about, you know, positive psychology. Right. And it really mm-hmm. is that scarcity mentality versus the abundance mentality. You know, your mental is a learned, you know, I always say for every weight that anybody goes to the gym and lifts, you need to like lift two more weights in your brain because your mentality in which you kind of come to a situation with manifests throughout that whole situation. So I feel that, you know, even with your LinkedIn or, you know, everyday life, you've really manifested the gratitude. And the first LinkedIn video I seen, it was hilarious because you're not somebody that comes out of the gate and is like, hey, how are you? I'm Kathy. Like you just, you're not that personality. You're very like calm and you're like, okay, good morning, everybody. So what I want to talk to you and you're really slow. Like you got your phone and I'm, so I'm watching your video and I'm like, she's really, she's really thinking, thinking, she's thinking this through as she's talking. Like, you know, and you're like, okay. And you're just, and I'm like, okay. And I, and then I think I just scrolled by and then I seen you again and I'm like, oh, it's the same lady. Okay. Wait a sec. I'm like, oh, she's what? She's a police officer too. And then I seen your pink. Sorry, what do you call them again? I'm sorry. Appalettes. Appalettes. So you got the pink. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she's really rocking this really good. I like that. I respect that. So for you, kind of going back into the love in your heart, how do you feel you need to think and act like a wolf to catch a wolf? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. Um, you know, what's interesting is uh, when we talk, when you talk about that, uh, the video piece, I, I would like to take people on journeys, mm. right? So it's really taking people on a journey as to how and what, you know, I've experienced in my thought process. Mm. I'm not telling people that you should do this. I'm just suggesting that it's something that they could think about. Mm. Really, what we're talking about is emotional intelligence. A lot of the things that I'm talking about are, you know, emotional intelligence and inclusive behavior. Mm. And I, you know, and I purposely don't choose the buzzwords Mm -hmm. uh, because our society today is, I I would say we're diversity fatigued. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, we've been talking diversity for so many years, but, you know, my ideas and my thought processes, if we get inclusion right, 
you know, we we encompass so pretty much everything if we can get inclusion right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, for the videos, I do. I really take people on the journey of my thought process, um, and then just get them, to empower them to think about how could that affect them, or how could you know they choose to change a behavior because really it's challenging behaviors to um, to make an improvement in their life for mm. them, right? So mm. that's sort of that that uh, rationale as to why I speak like that. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's kind of interesting because you, you talked about fatigue and I, I, I call it like information obesity. There's so much information, you know, it, it, even when we say like inclu- inclusivity and all these things, it's, it's becoming obese. Be, and what I mean by that is it's so much and there's so much being thrown at somebody that you know the moment you open up your phone you the information the overload of it that's coming at you at such a high rate i mean how do you even begin to process that and compartmentalize that in your brain right and it, it, i think there is something to be said about it where you know i'm a branding person so there's a difference between versace louis vuitton and walmart and louis vuitton and versace their brand equity their brand positioning is very different where they're not coming at you with a sale every week they're not coming at you with a sale every month. And they are very cautious on how they talk about their brand because they really want to keep that mysticness of it. The moment you keep saying a word, it's kind of funny how you could say a word and maybe it will touch you and you'll cry. And you, if you keep hearing that word long enough, you'll actually see your whole mentality. Your emo- you become almost emotionless to it because you've now heard it so much. And that impact that the word should have had is starting to dwindle and when i do see these you know buzzwords i too am very cautious about it because you know do you want to get in the conversation or are you just becoming kind of a buzzword you know for that conversation right right well people have to see themselves yes in this yes right yes Uh, and so until until a person has the um, ability to see themselves and how that fits so it's that's why it's just really giving people food for thought. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I often I leadership can be very difficult. Yeah. Uh, we have all these books that says you've got to do this. You've got to do that. you got to do this, you know. Um, and the truth is, is that, you know, what we have to do is look at our own emotional intelligence. Mm. We have to look at our strengths. We mm. have to look at our areas of development mm. and then, you know, take all these little pieces and figure out what's the Kathy way of doing this. Because mm. authenticity is the end result. No mm. one's going to follow you. No one's going to really believe in you or understand you if you're not being authentic. Absolutely. Right? So, Absolutely. so really, it really comes down to people taking the information and then um, figuring out what their delivery style is going to be. Mm. Understanding where their areas of strengths are and not to overplay those areas. Yes. Right? you got to balance that. It's kind like you know i posted on linkedin the other day and i said people don't buy product they don't buy quality they don't buy any of that they buy themselves they really do buy themselves if you want to look at somebody and you want to figure out who they are look at everything that they got going on right i think it's kind of funny like psychology for me is fun because prior to doing marketing i wanted to be a psychiatrist and i'm fascinated with how the human brain works and i do believe you can defeat somebody before you even meet them Because if you study hard enough and long enough, and this is where law enforcement is fascinating to me because one of the best conversations I think I've ever had in my lifetime was with an undercover cop. And it was just 
fascinating. And I told the guy, I said, the only thing that throws you off that I know you're a cop is your teeth are too damn good. Your teeth are too, <laughs> your teeth, you got really good teeth. It looks like you've been flossing. Your dentist, whoever they are, bless their heart, but your teeth are too damn good. But some of them, I mean, you just would never know. And, you know, I always say, like, I remember asking him and I said, how do you feel about living your life in the bushes? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, in some respects, your your identity is gone to some degree. And you spend a lot of time just watching. You just see. You're just watching all day long. And I was always taught at a young age, and I not necessarily that I was very good at, you know, listening to my parents on this specific topic, but it was, you know, two ears and one mouth, you know, listen more than you speak. And I, I find that fascinating. And I, I'm even as I'm talking to you right now, you're an amazing listener. And you're 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 like an active listener. And it's interesting because you're like, you can always see that that police, it never leaves you. And I and I would you would you agree with that? Like, can you shut that off? Or when you are just having a casual glass of wine with a girlfriend or your husband or something, do you do you ever find yourself saying, Kathy, like, whoa, shut it off? Or or do you can you just shut it off? Oh, I never shut it off. I, actually, <laughs> I, I am who I am. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, you know, that's I'm not a different person when I'm off duty as I am to on duty. My behaviors are consistent. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll just go back. I, I spent time investigating um, child abuse and sexual assault cases. Mm. And, you know, that's where you have to really develop those listening skills mm. Uh, mm. and really be patient at listening to some of the victims and their stories. Uh, but, you know, that patience, uh, what I'm doing is, you know, building a case. Uh, there's, you know, people who have to be held accountable for some of these horrific mm. um, situations mm. that they've mm. inflicted upon another human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I owe it to that victim and the witnesses to listen, mm. to listen to their stories and um, and build those cases so that they can be you know, brought to court uh, in the best possible way. Mm. So really, it's, you know, that listening piece for the undercover officer. I don't know who that is, but, uh, you know, sometimes you are in the sidelines or you're in the backdrop, yeah, uh, but oh you're yeah. really not. You're really not. Yeah. Right? Sometimes listening is one of the best tools that yes. we can have to arm ourselves with knowledge. Because you get to see the best of society and absolute worst of society, and that's the way I'll put it because I just don't think there's a middle ground. I think you see terrible things, and I think you see some of the most beautiful things. Do you think people are, do you think there's people out there that are just born bad people, or is it truly a product of their environment, parents, like a just a generational breakdown? If you look at their parents' parents, you know, or do you feel like, yeah, there's, there's some bad people that came from great backgrounds, great homes, but they're just bad, like in your opinion, or can you even say yes or no to that? I I mean, I I know. I I really can't. I think, I think, you know, those points draw in the both and that meaning that, you know, some people, um, you know, they've been in environments where they just didn't have the opportunities or the wherewithal to find themselves, Mm. you know, to get themselves out of it. Um, but you know, I also think that there's just, just some really evil people. Okay. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't really focus. Told you earlier, my focus always tends to be, you know, directly. I mean, I've got to hold these people accountable. 
and that's what officers do. Mm. But uh, my focus is really on um, looking at the great <laughs> people in our environments of as course. well, right? Our communities. Now, you talked about leadership books that you've uh, read, which is, you know, there's some great books out there. But my only beef with some of the authors is they've never led anybody before. So they, re- they write the book, but they've never led anybody. You're in the field and you lead people. Is there one book out there that you just are completely a fan of, changed your whole perspective? There isn't one book. Isn't one um, book, yeah. No, there isn't. And I've read, you know, so many. And I would actually, you know, anyone that's listening, reading is the best tool. Um, and, you know, it's interesting when I read, I read a paragraph at a time and digest. Okay. I just don't keep reading and reading and reading. Yeah. I digest and say, is this applicable to me? Um, and I really have to have the ability to say, you know, this is somewhere that I'm trying to develop. Uh, so I'm going to keep reading this. And how can I then turn around and apply a strategy to help me develop in that area? Yeah. Uh, some of the books that I read in certain chapters, it's, you know, this is one of my strengths. These are one of my areas of strength. So I don't need to, to really reflect upon it as so much. Yeah. Um, but I've read so many books and have taken little pieces of different books and be able to kind of come up with, uh, you know, the Kathy um, play here in leadership. Right. Yeah. And uh, and it's all I'm a student of leadership. It's not ever going to change. And yeah. I make mistakes and I say sorry. And um, and some things I, I do really well. And I let um I let every, I, you know, it's really about making sure others get the opportunity to, I'm giving them that those opportunities to really showcase themselves as well, right? Mm. It's, it's, leadership is not about me. Mm. It's right. Yeah. I, I'm just a facilitator. Oh, Kathy, um, you're so great. Oh my God. You know, it's not about me. So it's, you make it's, this, you make this interview so easy. Now with the leadership, you said one statement that I think is huge. You read a paragraph you digest the paragraph. Because I always like to tell people, read a book or read something, immediately go execute on what you just read. Like immediately, even if it's the smallest thing, do something, right? So a lot of people, they'll throw up, oh my God, I just read a book. I just read a book. I just read a book. And I'm looking at this person. I'm like, but you haven't improved it at all. You're reading these books. So how, where did you get that self-awareness to know, hey, I'm going to read a portion of the book. And then I'm immediately going to take it, come up with an action plan, and then go execute. Because that's the difference between a lot of people who are high performing and not, in my opinion. Well, right. And that's they like execute. I said earlier. Absolutely. And and they hold themselves accountable. Right? Absolutely. So a lot of, a lot of the videos that I have on LinkedIn, you know, if, if I'm going to be talking about this and, and asking people to think about nonverbal communication... I mean, that was one of my videos, nonverbal communication. I better be really aware of what my nonverbal communication is. What do you think your nonverbal communication is? That's just a good, (laughs) this is a good one. Let's get this going. You know what? You walked into that one. So let's do it. What's your nonverbal? I want to know. So I want to (laughs) be mindful, right? So nonverbal communications, things like, uh, you know, if I'm going to sit at a meeting and I'm going to listen to someone, I'm not going to bring my cell phone into that meeting. Mm, okay. If I'm if if someone needs my attention, or I'm going to be present, that cell phone is not coming in with me, mm. um, or it's going to be put in my purse, mm. or you know, I mean, what do you, what is the message you're telling to people when you're sitting there on your cell phone? Mm. And even if you're just got it in your hand, what do mm. you? It's like I'm ready for this next 
you know, person that's going to contact me on the cell phone and they're going to be more important than you standing right in front of me. Mm. So these are some examples of the nonverbal stuff. Um, the listening, mm. you know, and acknowledging people. Sometimes you just don't need to say anything. Your eyes, mm. your gestures in moving forward to listen. Mm. Sometimes it might just be you know, reaching out and holding their hand or touching their shoulder. Mm. And, you know, and I don't want anyone to overuse these things. But if if you feel something or if you want, if someone is sitting there and sharing mm. something with mm. you, oh, my goodness, what an opportunity to acknowledge another. You know, what's so funny. Right? It's like I it's I started this podcast, never went to school for the podcast at all, but thought about. I have a really cool life story, but also business. So I speak at a lot of schools about uh, resiliency and leadership and entrepreneurship. But I started the podcast and I chose the medium of the podcast because I didn't want something that was going to interrupt you. I wanted you to be able to consume this content passively when you want, how you want it. And that's why podcasting was very appealing. When I started the podcast, I said, I need to put myself in as many uncomfortable situations as I possibly can. I actually want to start interviewing people that I think will actually slaughter me in the interview. And that's the way I kind of approached it. And it was interesting because I tried to do, I I got my studio and I'm like, okay, am I going to do two chairs? Are we going to go Oprah Winfrey style here where we're just going (laughs) to lean back and, you know, have a conversation. And I did an interview like that and I was leaned back and I had my leg up and just kind of relaxed. And I just felt like my my aura wasn't there and it it was maybe six minutes in and I had to lean forward because I'm that's kind of my personality I want when I'm talking to you like I'm I'm in it right so and I remember the guest they said I love the fact that you adapted your style on the fly because I could tell that it wasn't going good but then you completely monstered the interview after that and it's interesting that you say that because they're kind of those cues right I've talked to a lot of people but what's amazing is the people that are doing really big things in life, executing at a high level, when they talk to you, the one common denominator I'll say that they do, they make you feel like you're their only piece of world for that moment. It's amazing. And I know they got LinkedIn and emails coming and family texting, but for that moment they're talking to you, you're the only thing that matters. And I just, I think it, it's very humbling. It, that's the word I'll give it. Because when somebody says, I'm giving you my time, I don't think anybody else can give you more of themselves than the only thing they never get back. You got it. Right. You got it. A hundred percent, Ryan. And uh, it is the most precious thing. And it you is. Know, sometimes people just need to be heard. Right. And uh, if you can't give them that, then what can you give? Yes. That's meaningful. 17% females in policing. I think you did say Canada, but it could be North America, but it's around that figure. Now, right. that means 83% male. Um, my goodness, you are surrounded by a lot of uh, facial hair. <laughs> mm, surrounded by, I'm surrounded Testosterone, by a lot of brothers. A lot, a lot of brothers. A lot of brothers. Now, how, I mean, talk about that. I know it's a point you said, you know, you really want to talk about. Um, I know that you have a lot of younger females coming into the police force or active in the police force, you know, constantly kind of, you know, talking to you, asking for mentorship, things like that. Why is that a big thing? Do you feel like just what's your thoughts on that? So, you know, most police services also internationally are trying to increase the representation uh, between male and female 
uh, on the police service. Mm. And really, it's we want to reflect our community, mm. right? We want to <clears throat> reflect the community. And so when we look at the communities where it's 50-50 and our services aren't. Mm. Um, you know, and there's a variety of reasons that uh, our services are, are not at that you know, stage yet. But if you think about this, you know, we've got 83%-ish, you know, males, um, and they're out delivering the brand to the community all the time. So Mm. even when they're off, they're coaching, they're interacting, and they have that opportunity to influence so many more uh, people. Absolutely. And, uh, and primarily, you know, they are influencing to other males uh, as well. True. Yeah. And so they may be influencing to other females, but many females don't see themselves in the male officer. Of course. So when you're looking at, you know, and this is just one aspect that I'm talking about, but yep. when you're looking at 17%, how often, you know, we're not able to really climb that number because do women really know that this is a profess- profession that they mm. can get into? Mm. And does it fit with having a family mm. and doing shift work mm. and having the support of, you know, their family when they're doing a lot of, you know, shift work and not there to raise their families, mm. right? Mm. So, um So, you know, it's really about that's why I I decided I wanted to do this podcast as well was, you know, maybe there's a female that's listening right now Mm. in my hot yoga class. (laughs) There's a lot of police officers in my hot yoga class. Oh, bless them. them. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. But maybe there is one listening right now Mm. or two or three. Mm. And uh, if if I could just be that voice to say, you know, if you really love serving your community Mm. and you really love giving back and you have a passion to help others, you know, think about policing. Mm. Think about that opportunity at getting into the environment. You know, it's... um, and the training that we receive, you know, I'll speak specifically in Canada, but the mm. training that we receive is just outstanding. The mm. education, the training, mm. and, um, you know, I'm blessed. I'm very blessed to have had this opportunity to have the career that I've had. And uh, I would, you know, ask that others, other females really consider this type of career and reach out to your local service Mm. and you know learn more because there's lots like here in durham region we have women's symposiums now for recruiting purposes Mm. so women can come and learn about what it's like and maybe you don't want to be an officer but there's so many careers within the police service Mm. that you can do in a in a non-sworn capacity mm. right we have really interesting jobs we mm. work at 911 dispatchers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right you have opportunities in forensics you have mm. opportunity um, you know in records and keeping uh, all the background checks like I mean, there's just so many opportunities for people um for both male and female outside of the sworn capacity so. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions in the recruitment process because a lot of people think that maybe something happened in their past that would automatically get them excluded in the recruitment process. Do you feel like there's a con- do you think there's maybe not enough information given to the general public? Like I just think about somebody who's like, oh, I did smoke weed in high school. I know it's legal in Canada now, but, you, you know, back in the day, like people even I've talked to people like, well, you know, I went, I, I went, you know, I, I think about going to do that, but then they automatically exclude themselves before actually even talking to anybody. That's a recruiter. Right. So I don't right. know if the recruiters aren't edu- like putting out a lot of education or it's just maybe they're, you know, even a high school diploma kind of thing. I didn't, you know, 
if the guy says, I, I don't have a high school diploma, can I become a police officer? Like, what, like what's the process? Meanwhile, the person, maybe they've owned a business for 10 years, you know, and they're very successful in their field, life experience, all that. So yeah. do, you, do you feel that there's maybe some misconceptions or... I think there is. I, I can speak for Ontario. That's why we're doing a lot of these symposiums now, mm. recruiting symposiums. Mm. Um, so it does have a, we have an opportunity to sort of talk them, you know, through a process and what that mm. looks like. Mm. Uh, and then there's one-on-one time with recruiters as well. So, mm. you know, I think I can only speak from the Ontario perspective. I'm not sure what, what you have there in Calgary, but um I'm seeing that, you know, we're taking these steps and getting out into the community and hopefully dispelling some of these myths Mm. uh, because I do think people discount themselves. Yeah. But uh, just, you know, ask those questions. Most most police services actually have email addresses within the recruiting service. Just email. Yeah, yeah, just email and ask. And if you're not comfortable, get your friend to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend of a friend. Yeah, (laughs) no. You know, it's, it's funny because we talk about diversity in policing, too. And it's interesting when you look at in Ontario, like when I go to Toronto, one of the biggest things I notice, not that I mean, I'm Edmonton, Calgary, there's diversity and you see, you know, anybody from anywhere. But especially there, you see a lot of diversity, Asian and black and Hispanic and Aboriginal and East Indian. Like you just you, you look on Young Street and you're like, wow, like you I feel like there's a, a real good job of that done. But you still are right. I mean, if I look around, I like, and I look at for female officers, that's you're looking for a little while still, you know. Do you feel for you? Because I mean, now you you probably got enough. You got a street cred where you're like, listen, I've been doing this a long time. You went into policing when those numbers of seventeen percent were probably far lower, much when, lower. So have you seen it grow at a consistent? rate that you would like or would you like to see it go a little faster to start having more females come into the force oh absolutely would love to see it go much faster yes Um, uh, because you know there's let's let's talk about diversity of thought around the table sure all right and that is is you know when you reflect your community you get different ideas different backgrounds different perspectives and so the, you're enriching your organization with diversity of thought. Mm, and mm. so, you know, that's, it's, it's really important. Uh, right now, we have a diversity advisory committee within our, our service. And that's met leaders within this community here in Durham Region who come once a month. And they're like advisors to us mm. uh, because we truly don't have, we're not truly reflecting our community. But there's one thing I want to just correct you on, sure. um, and that is we want to be careful we don't um, just use the visual diversity. Yeah, because we do, that's exclusion. You know, yes. there's a lot of white men who feel excluded, but they have diversity. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Is there, is there is there that feeling? Do you feel that way? I do feel that, that way. That's something that nobody talks about. The media never talks about it. Oh no, no, they won't. So do you? But that's a good we've topic. Got to be, We've got to really be careful because, you know, we don't we're not in the business of excluding people. Yeah. And we have to be really careful that we're just not using visual diversity. Yes. There's a lot of diversity in people. Yes. To what we can't see. Yes. And yes. they are not, you know, publicly putting it out there. Yes. So we got to always be mindful and be thinking about that. Why do you think we're we, so scared to put it out there? Um, well, you know. 
Why are I we think so people scared? Are, uh, uh, there's a lot of fear of offending. You know, there's there's fear of offending a particular group. There's fear of, um, you know, just not having it right and, and being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I have to admit, when I first started this role a year and a half ago, uh, I had fear. I mean, what what is going to gauge my own diversity competency level and my <laughs> own in and yeah. my own inclusion, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. competency level? Yeah. And so it really had to come within me. But a lot of it was is I just went out to groups and started introducing myself and saying, "Look, I'm I just don't know how to have the knowledge. You're going to have to educate me. Good for you, you know, would would you please? Because and if I say something, tell me." Uh, the last thing I want to do is offend. Yeah. And, you know, through that constant demonstration, you know, it was, that's how you build relationships. Mm. And, you know, some people have said, um, my, I have this amazing friend in Toronto um, and she is uh, LGBTQ mm. community and mm. um, is went through the transgender, uh, you know, process. And, and I just love her. And, you know, she, the one thing when I had said to her, you know, uh, I just don't know enough about this right now. Mm. She goes, ask me anything you want. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Ask that's me nice. anything you want, yeah. because I know where your heart is. Yeah. And, um, and it, me depositing this information into you will make you better for the person who really needs it. Communication, you know? communication's everything. I mean, it's, you, you kind of look too, right? It's, it's interesting. You, I do, I like hot yoga. I love hot yoga. And I go, and there's always this older gentleman. I think he's retired now, but he was, he worked in corrections. And then there's another guy who's a, who's a police officer. So at first they were standing there talking and then I was just asking questions, but they felt the older guy was like, he was totally cool. He's like, okay, cool. You know, like I'll ask him it. But the younger guy, he, it, it, it's almost like he felt uncomfortable that he was getting asked questions about like policing where the older gentleman was completely comfortable with it. But I just kind of thought to myself, I'm like, isn't this what you want to partake in? Like, you want somebody to ask questions. You want that communication to happen. And it, 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 when I was talking to the guy, I felt like he felt like he's just not used to being asked sincere questions about what he does from a stranger. Like, that was the kind of the feeling I got. And the older guy, he was totally cool with it. But it was, there was apprehension. You know, there was apprehension. And it was right. just it was just interesting to to kind of witness, right? And I don't know if again it's that security thing where it's like, well, hey, I'm doing yoga. I don't want anybody knowing that I do this or whatever. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to see you directing traffic or something at like a festival. <laughs> right. So I actually did a post uh, a video on this, and it was about I, I called it questions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was at a rugby tournament a few weeks ago, and yeah. while there, I had some of these questions come at me and I love it. So, uh, you know, not just me, I have no difficulty. Like I said, I'm not a different person on duty or off duty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Kathy's so I Kathy. love it. yeah. And, uh, and some of the questions I was, you know, really appalled, <laughs> kind of like, wow, you're just leaping into it. But, you know, one of the things I had said was, you know, they wanted to know some of my goriest and my, you know, worst scenarios. Oh, and I said, geez. I can't, I won't tell you that Oh, geez. because I don't emotionally think that, how do I know, how irresponsible would it be of me to share these and think you have the, the resiliency to deal with what I've told you, 
And, uh, and so I said, I can't do that. It's not, you know, I can't, I won't share those Mm. situations with you because I don't know you well enough to know Mm. that I could deposit information into your mind that I'm not sure what the the side effect could be. Mm. Right. And, uh, but then there's also this aspect, uh, sometimes officers, when you're going to yoga, for instance, or they're going for their own holistic Mm. uh, nurturing. True, true. Right? True. So we have to also think about, you know, the things that we do see, the things that Mm. we do hear, the things that we do smell. Mm. Those are things that that could cause triggering events, right? Mm. Uh, For us. So sometimes you might find it's not that the officer is trying to be rude. They just need a little bit of downtime and uh, a time to heal. Mm. And so, you know, they can come across that they don't want to answer, but they may be just healing themselves. Uh, because we do see things that no normal person should I, ever see. I think I want to, but when I ask, like, first of all, I, I, I feel it's irresponsible to ask about gory stuff. I never ask about that. It's kind of, right, right. yeah, we have, we have close friends that's a firefighter and stuff. And, you know, he's brought up some things when he had a few beers, but, and he was just simply saying like, you know, I have children when there's an accident involving a child, you know, usually the guys without children will go and take care of that. You know, there's some certain code of ethics for firefighters. And and I don't ever ask that unless somebody wants to share it. I, I have a weird brain. I'm a weird guy. I mean, I'm very confident to say that. My, my brain has always thought a little deeper than just, I don't think what I see in the world is the only world. I think there's a no, whole... You're- it's think, not weird though, Ryan. Well, you're inquisitive. Well, you're inquisitive. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I use the word weird just so that it's a patch through to somebody that maybe just doesn't understand it. Because I do meet a lot of people. They don't think that deep. They don't go past, no. you know, this computer. My mind is, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you get into your cop car. How are you driving? You know, what are you feeling like? I'm thinking very 360. And it kind of comes into my business acumen and also my sports. I'm a visualizer. If I'm going to go talk to 10,000 people tomorrow, in order for me to put on a good talk, I need to actually visualize myself doing that. And it's really, that's how I kind of gauge. So when I was talking to this gentleman, though, I like to kind of ask questions that are more so, it's hard to explain. It's more so on the, you know, I know you're separating you from being a police person. And some people do that. You don't. (laughs) I love that about you. You're very, you know, hey, man. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Subway, not I'm, I'm one person. Some people do separate, though, and you can tell that. So they yeah, go home yeah. and their husband, wife and, you know, mom, dad or whatever. And then some people are like, hey, this is my profession. And that's not just in policing. That's all across life. People do that. I think I just try to get into kind of that middle ground where I'm like, no, no, I just I'm curious. I want to know. And I'm, I'm thinking and if somebody kind of dodges a question, I, I'll kind of come back and ask you it a different way. And then the person's like, yo, like, what are you doing here? Maybe You're relentless. <laughs> but it's every time, you know, we've had a conversation it ends well. A lot of people will say, I really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the fact yeah. that you took, you know, enough. I don't know. It's kind of like when somebody asks me questions about me, I'm like, well, this person's truly, um, you know, they're engaged and they, they actually want to know. And that kind of makes you feel great. You know what I mean? And I think, and I think policing is one of the most unique professions just because of the amount of diversity in everything, not just humans, but society. Like I just think about it. I'm like, you could come in contact with somebody who's had 30 years of complete craziness happen to them. And you might come in contact with them and they're ready to blow. 
You don't know them. You don't know their whole story. But you're coming in contact in this person's life. And and that person, they're not even upset with you. They're not. It's not personal. They're just like, okay, this is the time. I do not feel great right now. And you have to be able to deal with all of that in fractions of seconds. Seconds. Yeah. And how that the rest of that event goes, who knows? And that to me, I think is like, that's amazing. So I'm fascinated by that. So I'm like, how does somebody, how does a human brain be able to take that and then, you know, digress and then, you know, write your report and then be like, okay, well, next call, let's go do it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, humans are beautifully complex. Yes. Yes. They're beautifully complex. And uh, the more interaction and, you know, that's the one thing officers who are on the road and are interacting you're interacting every single day sometimes hundreds of people a day Jeez. Uh, you do that for 28 years and you know you become you know you have that ability to be able to kind of understand an environment or see the nonverbal communication hear the verbal communication um the account of other people and you can quickly formulate a few ideas on how you're going to handle it, right? Mm. Um, mm. And so that's that's the experience that you know we draw upon, um, and it's you know it really helps you out there mm. uh, when when you're trying to navigate these situations because they are complex sometimes, mm. and then some people are not complex at all. Yeah. Very simple. <laughs> you know, very simple. Very simple. Yeah. You yeah. know, they they, uh, <laughs> they see it, they say it. There's yeah. no filter. There's no filter. Know? I don't mind those people though. I kind of like them because at least I know what I'm getting. I'm like, we don't, we don't have to get along, but at least I already know that you set the stage. It's the people that are like, like for me, passive aggressive personalities. They're tough to deal with. Because yeah. I'm like, are you good? Yeah, no, I'm good. Week later, you know, I wasn't really good. I asked you if you were good. I mean, you told me you're good at the time. Now you're telling me you're not good. So um, before we end off and I'll give you a chance to plug yourself and tell everybody can reach out to you. Is there anything you would like to say to the listeners uh, that I maybe didn't ask you anything? It's kind of your it's all about you, Kathy. It's all about you. Take that narcissistic uh, ability and make it all about you right now. No, I, I actually... Um you know, my, my biggest piece, uh, if you're going to take away anything is, um, you know, all I ask for people is to try and do one act of kindness every single day. Mm. And I don't care what that act is, uh, holding a door for somebody, um, buying someone's coffee, Mm. uh, even just smiling at someone when you're actually, maybe they look like they're having a bad day, Mm. but find some sort of act of kindness every single day. Mm. And, you know, I would ask you to really consider looking for those opportunities of gratitude Mm. in your own personal life. Mm. You can do these two things. Mm. Um, I think you will see a different world. Mm. And, uh, and you know, really, we want to become a part of the solution mm-hmm. here. And uh, these are really easy steps to take to start really awakening and, and making a difference in people's lives and in your own life. Mm. Right? I like that. I like that. Fire round time. Okay. Number one, proudest moment personally. The proudest moment I've had in my career, personally, um, is watching others who I've had mentored or coached uh, excel. 
Okay. And so I see the ability for them um, to feel empowered and to feel supported. And they start reaching and doing things that one would never, they wouldn't even believe that they could do. <laughs> and when I see that opportunity and when I see that influence that I've, you know, made a had on their career or on their life, those are my proudest moments. Okay. Fav- uh, oh, I like that. Favorite color. Oh, I think it's pink. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be pink. Now, you mentioned purses. What is your favorite purse that you own? Well, I have, um, I love Michael Kors purse. Okay, Michael Kors. Okay. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, What is the most uncomfortable piece of wearing a police uniform? Is there anything that you said, you ever say to yourself, man, I wish I could go to a designer and they could redesign this one particular piece that just, it's just a bothersome. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that the gun belt that oh. we wear is probably the most uncomfortable piece. Um, <laughs> and I can speak from a female perspective, you know, it, it really sits right on my hip bone and digs <laughs> in. Um, and so, you know, there are suspenders you can wear and yeah, things yeah. like that to help lessen the load. But uh, that is definitely one of the most uncomfortable pieces of equipment that you, I wear. Do you think in 2018 they could like rejig it or re-engineer it to be like a little bit more dynamic, aerodynamic and lighter or something like that? <laughs> uh, I don't I'm not sure. I think many have tried, yeah. uh, but the sheer volume of the equipment that we carry around our waist. Uh, I think by the time I add up the uh, pound, um, like uh, the police vest, the the belt, you know, the clothing that we wear, I think it's close to like 30 pounds wow. at least. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not going to step on a scale when I'm wearing all that. Let's put it that way. You know what's interesting? I went and bought some of those. Uh, we, my wife and I, we live in the mountains like half the month in BC. So we do like, I do a lot of like, stuff outside so hiking boots but i always go buy the police issued boots that you guys wear because they're Mm -hmm. like hiking boots but they're like steel toed best investment ever and i got i bought those gloves that i think are like stab proof those i mean i've had them for like 10 years and i'll like carry wood with them and but long story short it's very durable very durable uh favorite holiday of the year oh you know what? It's Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, it's family, right? Christ. It's family. Yeah. Um, if you could, if you could change anything immediately in the world this moment, what would it be? I would ask that. Uh, that's easy for me to answer. I was asked that people lead with love in their heart. Mm. You know, I have this sort of philosophy that sometimes we think with our brain. And we don't think with our heart. And there's times where we have to, if you think about your head and your heart as an outlet, you're taking the two ends and plugging them in. Mm. There's many times where we got to keep those two plugged mm. plugged in. Mm. But there are times where you need to unplug and, you know, you're just thinking with, you just need to think with your heart or you just need to think with your head. The difficulty is, is sometimes we forget to plug that back in, mm, mm. you know, so I, you know, I really, really would say it's uh, thinking with your heart is so important mm. um, when you're making your de- decisions, especially mm. if you're a servant leader uh, and, you know, you're a leader who is um, trying to inspire and empower others. Mm. 
One reason why people who may or may not have considered a career in law enforcement should consider it in one word. Why should they join or why should they check it out? You have the ability to impact others' lives positively. Okay, perfect. Kathy, I think we should write a book one day. I don't have one leadership book that I I say is the definitive end-all, be-all. But can you imagine if there's a book out there that just gets people to literally be self-aware enough just to like pull back and maybe just think and really explore themselves because that's where the magic really is it's all about vulnerability it's all about vulnerability this is your time to plug away how can people reach out to you i know you just created an instagram account i'll have to try to stalk or creepy on that one love my instagram but how can everybody reach out to you and again you are fantastic Oh, thank you so much. So I am on LinkedIn under yep. Kathy Bodden. Yeah. Uh, you'll see my picture there. Um, on Instagram, it's Kathy.Bodden. And uh, that's a brand new account. So uh, it's, I think, maybe only got four posts. So real new. Um, but those are two easy ways of getting a hold of me. Um, and hopefully we can uh, meet on those platforms. I'm yeah. on Twitter as well. Perfect. Uh, just search Kathy Bodden. Perfect. 844 is my Twitter handle. Now, let me ask you this. On the Instagram, Are you gonna? Sh- is it going to be just a police Instagram? Are you going to shed a little bit of personal in there? Maybe not family, but just you? Ah. Are, are, you, are, you, are I know you're, are, are you still on the fence about that? You know <laughs> what, Ryan? I'm still, I am, I, I do have a, a personal Instagram. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, you yes. know, to connect with family and close friends yep. and that. Yep. So I'm not sure yet. I uh, literally just got that account going. So far, the four posts that I've put there are, are very focused on, you know, the police environment. Yep. So, um, but I haven't really gone down the route on how it's going to be much like my LinkedIn account. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to feel it out. And, yeah. um, see how it goes now if you could pick the title for this podcast because it's going to be on itunes and google play anywhere where there's a a cell phone what what would you pick what would you want as the title such a tough question oh boy now you're really putting me on the Mm -hmm. spot just remember your name is going to be the beginning so what do you want to see after that (laughs) Uh, leadership can make a difference Mm, i like that i like that um if there is anything else you want to say, Kathy, now is your time. Other than that, we're going to wrap it up. And this has been absolutely a pleasure. Oh, no, there isn't anything else, Ryan. I'd just like to say thank you so much. Great questions. Really uh, gave me a lot of food for thought. I have no doubt throughout the day I'll be thinking about some of the questions you asked even at a deeper level. And uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. And you know what? Your listeners should know this took me out of my own comfort zone. It's the first time I've ever done this. Yes. Um, And uh, I'm very grateful for Mm. the opportunity. Thank Thank you. you. And for everybody who's listened to the podcast this episode, thank you so much. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, rate the podcast. Again, I, I told everybody, I said, my podcast is going to be complete curiosity and i think that when people fail they should fail publicly so that everybody can learn from it and i I always say i'm like you don't have to just be one thing so i can be a marketer i can be a podcaster a speaker and uh i can even talk with cool people like kathy so uh thanks again for listening and uh you know how we do